Adoption and expensive, two words that do not always belong together. There are 120,000 children in the United States that are waiting for a forever family, and adopting through this option is extremely affordable. I'm Marcy Bursack, an adoptive mom of a sibling pair, and also the author of The Forgotten Adoption Option. Twice monthly, I will interview people like adoptive parents and adopted children who've been touched by foster care adoption. My goal is to find more forever families and increase awareness about foster care adoption. Because if it were you or me, we would want someone to do this for us. Welcome to the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. You might have noticed in the special holiday edition episode that the video was a little spotty. That's because I live in a home that was built in the 1930s. And if I stand still in just the right spot, I might be able to get two bars of service. So after evaluating that experiment, I found a new podcast location. We're going to call it my recording studio. My daughter and I drove to places near our home while she reported the signal strength of various parking lots. And I discovered that the post office and connected grocery store parking lot have the strongest signal near my home. So for episodes like today, when my guest is not sitting next to me in person, I'm going to be recording from my parked car in this parking lot. So today I'm going to be interviewing an adoptive parent who adopted a teenager. Hi, Robin. Hey, Marcy. What's going on? You know, it's, it's probably going to be cold by the time this airs. <laughs> it's going to be chilly. Hopefully we're all playing in the snow. So it's cold what? right now where I'm at, so oh, I totally get that. Right. So I'd love for our audience to to meet you a little bit. So Robin, you and I met through a mutual friend. It's actually Jennifer who was interviewed in December, who's an author, and and we all kind of connected around having adoptive children. So we're gonna get into your your adoption life, but by day, I know you you help with women's fitness retreats. Can you talk about the kinds of things that you offer? Um, sure. Yeah, it's Exodus Women's Fitness Retreats. And we call it fitness for your spirit, soul, and body. And what we do is we go to places all over the country. And generally, because as women, we crave adventure in the wilderness. But it's it's actually to be able to find um, where our lasting and influence beauty comes from. And, and we feel that the only way to really be able to find that is to be in the presence of the one who speaks through us and to us, through our spirit, soul, and body. So it's sort of a comprehensive way to, to look, to find purpose, and to adventure, and to adventure and find that relationship with Jesus. Because there's something special about nature. I mean, there's something special about having that quietude. Yes, for sure. And it's always about water. So wherever we go, we're, we're generally in a remote location because we feel that getting to the wilderness, just like in the Exodus, the book of Exodus, was that was part of the journey. So it starts right off the bat by challenging women to get out of their comfort zone and get into nature that they might not have experienced before. So it's sometimes challenging to get there, like they might have to go on a backcountry flight in a small airplane, or they might be on a jet boat going up a river. Um, but right off the get-go, they they are challenged. Wow, what an adventure. And I know that your, your adoption story is an adventure, so this is like a fun parallel. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm especially interested and excited to dive into your particular adoption story, because as you already know, there's a great need for adoptive homes for teenagers. So pulling from research that I share in my book, The Forgotten Adoption Option, according to the Pew Charitable Trust, teenagers are afraid they will reach their 18th birthday without being adopted. Mm. Their fear is a fear because it could be a reality and often is. According to the National Youth Foster Institute, over 23,000 children do not get adopted by the time they are 18 or when they graduate from high school. Wow. Mm. Wow. So let's dive in because you, you did, you did what we want more people to do, which is to adopt a teenager. So help us know, <laughs> like, how did you meet your daughter? What led you to adopt her as a teenager through the foster care system? Right. And I, I totally agree with what you were saying about the need to, to adopt um, older children from foster care. Uh, we were on the traditional route of adoption, uh, trying to adopt an infant, and those situations just never really worked out for us. Plus, at the time, I, I think I was 48 years old. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't remember now. But, you know, then I started feeling that I was too old for an infant. But I used to do a girls, a junior high girls Bible study in our home that we called Club. And it was just a safe place for girls to come and share their hearts and and their life and do life together and and to learn about uh, learn about Jesus. And so our daughter Alana came to group with as a guest of one of the girls and something happened there. Um, it was just a, a God thing. We just connected like I had never connected before, young woman. And just one thing led to the next, and sometimes I think she sort of facilitated herself right into our home because she's a pretty sharp cookie. But um, <laughs> in foster care, the social services knew about um, her life and her social activities from from being in foster care, and so they came to our house one day. Would we consider taking Alana in and becoming foster parents? And it was something that my husband and I had never thought of before. We needed some time to think about that. It's and a huge decision. Yeah. 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 Huge decision. And so we, we thought about it and took a while, but, but we ended up uh, going, going ahead with it. And so she kind of dropped in our lap. It's so beautiful. Cause you just never know. I mean, you, you hear stories, at least I hear stories often of, there's the teacher where this this kid needs a forever family or a foster home. And so they ask people kind of in their circle. And it sounds like that's what happened to you. Yes, I I, I think so. A, a beautiful thing. We always say it was the the best thing and the hardest thing that we ever did. But but I really do believe that, you know, she felt a connection in the beginning and she was not connecting with her current foster parent. Um, and just felt that she needed a change. And I, and I think it, because of her age, there's already, whether you've been in foster care or not, being a teenager is, is tough. You know, you're going through a lot of stuff. And she had, you know, she had some extra stuff to be going through. And we just connected on that level. You're so right. The teenage years are a tough time. They're really tough. Yes. And I couldn't agree yes. more that, that you said that it was like the best thing, but the hardest thing. And I feel like that that exactly describes what it's like to adopt a child because 
it's, it's <laughs> wonderful, but it's not easy at all. So, right. Robin, you kind of touched on you weren't able to have biological children and then you adopted. Can you um, just kind of thinking of your own experience? Cause I know when I went through training, there were other families in the room with me um, that that was their story. And, and mine was a story of my plan A was to adopt. And so um, I had different motivations and things to deal with, but, but I knew that the, the group that was training us paused and made sure that people that were adopting out of infertility really thought long and hard about how they were going to be raising a child. Um, just in the sense of like, is it replacing this thing that you really, really want, or are you going to be able to walk alongside them? And it sounds like your daughter, I mean, you're already walking alongside her. So I'm just curious from your experience, what advice you would have for others who are unable to have biological children and choose to adopt. Yeah, that's, um, you know, like I said, it, ours, you know, we hadn't really given it a lot of thought because it's sort of the opportunity sort of dropped into our lap. It, it wasn't being a foster parent and adopting out of foster care wasn't something that we had had ever thought about. But but once we made that decision to do that, it, it made us acutely aware of of how many you know, how many older children are actually waiting for forever homes. Because as you said earlier, it, there, there are just so many kids out there that people feel that they're too old. And, and when, we, when we picked up our, our daughter, she had actually, uh, in, in between the time of social services coming to our home and asking for us to take her in, um, and us making the decision to take her in, she was placed in a, in a group home where when we actually picked her up from the group home, there were, I, I can't even tell you how many, how many girls came up to us and asked if we could take them home as well. And it was heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, and I wish I could have taken them all home with me. But I think people don't realize just how many how many older children just want that forever home. And they do fear that if they're not, you know, adopted by the age of 18, it's it's devastating for them not having not having parents in that forever home. Robin, the image of what you just shared just breaks my heart because you're you're trying you're trying to help one and others also need help, too. And and. You know, in my heart, like I hope that in the future, in the very near future, that when you go and do that, the next time someone does that, that there's a line of families there to pick up multiple girls. You know, it's just like there, there's a way we can solve this and help. It just takes some extra love and some extra thought. And wow. Well, I think, too, by by you bringing the awareness uh, through through this podcast, through your book. Um, through social media, that that you, we, adoptive parents of foster children can bring more awareness to this because it's it's. I mean, when you think about you think about these kids. I mean, every child deserves that that chance to grow up with with a loving family. And right. the thing thing about adoption is is just that you know we're we're choosing 
her. I mean, we're, we're so in love with her that we're choosing her. And it's just such, it's, it's like this beautiful love story and a dance that, that culminates in, in, in that forever home. You're right. You're so right. It's interesting what you bring up about awareness, because one of the things that I anecdotally heard, I had worked in this, uh, not worked, I volunteered on this committee. I was the only non-social worker at the table, but I had done so much philanthropy and recruitment work. They were like, we want you to help us. And the social workers who were paid, like this was their job is to go find more foster and adoptive families. They told me that every time a family fosters or adopts, that on average, over time, seven of their friends and family do the same. And I've asked other people that have fostered and adopted, like, what do you think your number is? Like how many friends? And who knows if it's like a direct connection, right? Like you might've just been a seed planter, not like the actual person that they're like, yeah, I knew Robin. And so I went and did it. But it's interesting because I think sometimes as adoptive parents, especially, I, I, I don't know if I understood my kind of platform or like my responsibility to be like, wait, if I share my story, I can help other people know that they can do this too. And it's like such a simple thing. And so I'm hopeful that through all of the efforts and the movement and the momentum of all of this, that other adoptive families can say, you know what, I should be talking to my friends more about this, or maybe I need to have them over into my home, like Marcy's done and just let people ask questions. Because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we just, if we, I didn't know how to do this before I did it. And it was so hard to find the information just by sharing it. And explaining, like, this is how you make a batch of cookies. Like, now you know how to make a batch of cookies, you know, so go do it. And so hopefully, hopefully we we find more forever families in that process. Well, I, I think, you know, what, what you were saying is, is about the awareness is that I felt for a long time that I wanted to share my story about, about our daughter and our journey, but I never had a venue to do that. And so you're providing people like myself with, with this amazing opportunity to share our stories and to get the word out there. So, so good on you. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I, in my head, I just, I, I see an echo, you know, of, of other people that are doing this and hopefully we can, we can raise national awareness on it. Cause there's, there's not a marketing budget for this. Like there's, there's not like it's a government program. You don't ever see like advertisements for food stamps, you know, like that's not a thing. And so like, there's not an advertisement for becoming an adoptive home for kids in foster care. It's just, you kind of have to kind of search for it. So I'm thrilled that you're, you're willing to share your story. And so with your story, Robin, you went from having zero children to not just having like a baby. And for me, I went from zero to two and they were young. Like you went from zero kids to having a teenager. <laughs> so that's like a huge jump. What did you learn about yourself through that transition? Oh gosh, that that's that's a great question, and it's it's one that I've certainly thought about over the years. We adopted our daughter when she was fourteen, and she's now thirty-four. So I've had a lot of <laughs> a lot of time to learn, but I think that like what you said is like going from zero to sixty in a second. And that's how it felt going mm-hmm. from being her, her mentor to being her mother. And, and it literally happened overnight for us. And, and so that was probably the hardest, the hardest thing was like, I knew what I had to offer as a mom. 
because what my mom had given me, this amazing mom that I had, I'm like, I can give this, I can give this to this kid and it'll be amazing. But I was really naive to the, to the challenges. Like I went into it just thinking everything is super rosy and she's this great kid and, and she is a great kid. Don't get me wrong. And she's not really even a kid anymore. Right. But, um, you know, I just, the, the challenges of, of me having to be an authoritarian figure, you know, a, a mother figure and somebody who's now I have to set ground rules and boundaries. And I didn't know how to do that. And that was, that was really tough. I didn't know how to place boundaries on my heart, number one, and boundaries on my life with my husband. And that was, that was probably the biggest challenge. And when, when things got, we had, you know, kind of a rough patch there in the middle and that's to be expected. I mean, all families go through stuff, but during that time, my husband kind of, kind of checked out. He like gave up on her and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, we didn't adopt a, a you know, a, a girl, a teenager for me to become a single parent. Mm. And so that, that was, that was all part of that boundary system that, that I needed to learn, to learn about myself, because I'm, I'm just generally a giver, not a taker. And our daughter was a taker. And rightly so, because she hadn't been given very much in her young life. And so I needed to learn the whole give and take process with healthy, healthy boundaries. And that it all ended up being, being great. And once I, once I learned how to create those boundaries for myself, for my family, for my home, for her, uh, things just blossomed. They really did. It's just that I didn't, you know, not from having a, a child from infancy, you, you don't, you you just got thrown into this situation. Right. And, and so it was, it, it was the hugest thing probably that I had to learn about myself was that I needed to create boundaries. Which is beautiful, but at the same time, such a challenge, right? Because you're, you're thrown into this. It's almost like there's this, um, I don't know, kingdom that all of a sudden the ruler's gone and you've never lived there before. And they throw you in, they're like, you're going to rule it. And you're like, I know nothing about this, <laughs> you know? And, and I've heard so many people that, you know, regardless of what age their kids were, when they became a parent, they've said, I wish this came with a handbook, right? Cause we're, we're not taught how to do so much of this. And I'm thinking, you know, you and I who've had to go through some sort of training to go and adopt children from foster care, like as much as I've loved that training and as, as helpful as it's been, it's not holistic, right? Like there's not every single answer in what we learned. And so some of it we have to learn by failure and it gets tense, but I, I think it's beautiful that you and your husband worked through that and that you've personally been introspective and thought, I got to have some boundaries because I got to be able to balance my spouse and my daughter. Yes. You know, you're absolutely, absolutely right with that. And it was a, you know, kind of a, a big learning curve, I would say, but but so rewarding in the end. I, re I remember when Alana first came to live with us, she would go through these silent periods where she just, she just would clam up and not talk. And so writing became our tool of communication when I couldn't, you know, when she would shut me out and me not having those healthy boundaries in place yet, I would, I would write her a letter 
and she would write me back and it was, it was perfect. But, but those are the things that you, you know, that you learn along the way as you're developing that, that really special relationship with, with just such a, a special individual. I mean, she's, she's such an amazing, amazing girl. And, and all of those experiences have, you know, have come together and culminated together in this amazing human being. And I'm so, I'm so excited to be part of that journey. Such a beautiful story because yeah, you're seeing, you're seeing the possibility, even though it's hard to get there, right? It's like going to the gym and saying, okay, I want to work out. But your body yep. is like, stop working out, you know, because it's, it's such a hard thing. But if you just push through, like, there's some beautiful things that happen in our lives. Yeah. And I think that that's, that was another thing probably that I did, I did learn through that was that you just keep on loving her. You love her through all the, all the stuff. And you love like Jesus. I remember like my husband would always, he'd ask me, he said, how can you, how can you let her treat you like that? Or how can you let her talk to you like that when I didn't have healthy boundaries? And I just said, well, you know what? I'm just going to keep loving her like Jesus loves me. And that's unconditionally, but unconditionally with conditions, right? Is, is to protect and guard my heart, guard her heart, guard our family's heart. But but just to love them through and for them to see that you're not going anywhere. You're going to love them. You're going to love them through this, regardless of, you know, what you're going to throw at me. I get it. you got stuff to throw at me. Go ahead. But I'm not going to be your punching bag. Right. Right. Wow. So talk to us then. So you, you're learning boundaries. Your life is completely <laughs> changing by the day. How, how or did your how did your support system change as you became an adoptive family? Well, let's see, it, it, it changed quite a bit um, because in the beginning, my support system, we have a very, very close, close knit family with my parents and my brothers and their families. Um, everybody kind of questioned what we were doing in the beginning. It wasn't like they were all in with it. And when we, when we came to have some problems with her, a lot of, not so much my family, but a lot of my friends, a lot of our friends, they, they just sort of, they turned their back on the whole thing. They just said, we don't even understand what you guys are doing and why, you know, why are you guys still putting up with this? And, you know, you need to, you know, I don't even remember now what, what they said, but they weren't, they weren't supportive of it. And that, that really hurt, but we just, persevered. I mean, we just pushed through it. It's not their life. It's our life and it's our family. So we just, we just pushed through that. And now she is the best, the best, the best, the best kid ever. And she has become the daughter that I had always prayed for and, and just her, her heart and her compassion and her ability to see all the things that she couldn't see when she was younger, that she could give those now to her kids is such a precious gift. Totally. I totally understand the family rejection piece. I feel like that might need to be another episode focus because it is, it is melding. <laughs> you'll have some people that get it and you'll have other people that don't get it. And some of those people will be friends and some of those people will be family. And so it gets complicated. Totally gets complicated. 
Robin, what do you wish others knew about foster care adoption? Um, I think it's one of the greatest, greatest things that you can do. From having gone a traditional route of adopting or trying to adopt an infant to adopting out of the foster care system, I think that, you know, for the most part, the, the kids are like, kind of like chameleons. They've learned to be and adapt to whatever their, whatever their system is, you know, whatever situation they're thrown into, that they can actually um, adapt to that. But it, it depends on how long they've been in the system or you know, or they've been moved, like our daughter was moved, I don't know how many times from, from the age of six to when we got her at 14. I'm not even sure how many foster homes she was, she was moved around. My in. Head. You can't see it. It's shaking back and forth. Like, no, like it's eight years. That's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. And, and so for them to be able to find a forever home where they're not constantly being pushed from from one family to the next when this is a horrible thing to say but it it was a reality in our situation was that when social services came to our door that very first day and we were like well we can't you know that's a life changing decision we can't make that like in right at the second and we need some time to think about it and there response almost word from word was well that it's foster care so don't don't worry if it doesn't work out you can just give her back and I I can't I mean the look on my husband's and my face was we're not giving this her is a back. human being yeah this isn't like a bot sheet this is a human being right gross. Aldi let me have my twice as nice guarantee like this isn't a piece of food this is a human being. you know you and I wouldn't want to be going through that you know I, I'd want to know that I could stay somewhere and that it was safe and that they were my family you know there's just there's so much in that that's so yeah and they're just they're they're just so so fragile and and again you know like our our daughter was older so there was a lot of time there for for negative energy to come in and and she did get a lot of that from being, you know, pushed from one home to the next. But but they are fragile and they need stability and they and they just need mm -hmm. love and they long for that forever home. So if, if by adopting out of foster care, if you can provide that for one child, two children, whatever, however your heart leads in that, I mean, it's just the biggest, the biggest gift, not only for the child, but, but for you. I mean, I'm, I am so blessed by her in my life, in our life that it, it's priceless. I mean, I, I can't put a price on it. It's, it's just such an incredible gift. Yeah, the gift of love is, it can heal all wounds. My husband always tells me when he tries to talk to people about foster care adoption, he's like, it's just love and stability. Like it's just love the kid through yeah. the heart and eventually yeah. the love sinks in and that's so good. So one of the things as we're closing that I'm really excited on is you and your daughter are working together on writing a book. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, she's such a, a good writer. And I don't know if that stems from our early years where the ah. communication, like I said, was was writing. But, you know, for her to get out her feelings and her energy 
uh, she just needed to write. And she is, oh, she's such, such a great writer and, and really raw, you know, just raw and out there and, and, and sharing what it feels like to be, to be moved around from different places and to have to go through what, what she did. So we are going to work on a book that um, it actually has a name already called The Face of Foster. Mm. And we're going to share our story from her perspective and from an adoptive foster parent's perspective. And I'm so excited to work on this project with her. How beautiful is that? Because you've got you've gone through the hard and you've gone through the beautiful and now you're going to write it down and show others that this is possible, that that loving a teenager is such a beautiful process and the success that you all have endured and, and got. And yeah, it's just that's great, Robin. Well, it, like I said, it's been it's been totally a, a gift in my life. And we started out by saying it was the best thing and the hardest thing that we've ever done. And I can just, I'm here to tell you to come out on the other end of it. Like how many years later is that? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But you know, like you said, if you just love them through the hard, the good, the bad, the ugly, I mean, you just love them through that. That's really, that's really all they want. You know, they just, they want to be loved and they want to know that they are going to be with you forever and that they're in that forever home. Thank you for just sharing your story and being open to talking about it. I think it allows people that you may never meet to peek in. Uh, I blogged our, my family's journey and would see like 200 people and only get comments from three. And I'd be like, who are the other 197? Like, who are they? And I've come to understand that like, it doesn't matter. What matters is that people got to see in and by seeing in, they can start thinking about it. And so thank you for sharing your story so that others can think about it, whether it's for them or for later, for someone they know, but it allows them to be aware of a great need. As a listener of the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast, you are helping raise awareness about foster care adoption and the 120,000 children who are waiting for a forever family. You can also help raise awareness by leaving a review, subscribing, sharing, talking about, and liking this podcast. If you'd like more information on adopting a child or sibling set through the foster care system, visit my website, forgottenadoptionoption.com. There you will find out how to get started, and you can even order a copy of my book, The Forgotten Adoption Option, which will guide you through the entire process, and it is available in paperback, audio, and ebook. I welcome you to reach out with questions, comments, and your own story. I would love to hear if you're signing up for training or where you are in the adoption process. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search for Marcy Bursack. Thank you for tuning in, caring, and sharing, because every child deserves a family.